Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Collider Dailies, the last Collider Dailies of the year. And boy, what a show do we have for you. I'm John Algets, and I'm joined, as always, by... Maggie Lovitz. Maggie, how are you doing today? I am doing good. I am looking forward to 2024. Wild that it's, like, days away. Right. How was your... If you were to give a letter grade to 2023, just as a year in general for you, what do you think you would give it? Uh, I think it was an A-plus year, man. Uh, there's so much happened this year that like, I just cannot believe happened. So no, this was a good year. Uh, I am very excited for 2024 though. Cause I think there's even more potential for it to be even better. Uh, maybe it'll be an A plus plus year. <laughs> I will say that. I think that, I think that 2023 was, I, I won't go so high as an A plus, but it was probably in the B range for me. There was, you know, there were some highs, there were some lows. I feel like the the last six months of the year are definitely in the A range. The first six months of the year for me. Because of dailies, right? Dailies is a major uh, factor for it, but you know. Not bad. It just is what it is. Uh, but as far as movies this year, there's been some great ones that I would definitely say put it into the A range. Uh, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about our top three films. Yesterday, Stephen Perry regaled you with theirs. So now it is our turn to hit you with our lists. And boy, do we have some lists. Uh, before we get into that, let's just say happy Friday to Mike, Mike, and... Stravula, Stravula, I'm trying. Uh, (laughs) Stavrula. Happy Friday, happy holidays, all that stuff to you guys. Thank you for joining the show. Let's go ahead and get into it right now, right out the gate. Maggie, I know that you have have more than three. I do have have more than three. 
So I technically had, I filled out my letterbox top 15 last year was a top 10 this year. There was just so many movies that like struck a chord with me that I was like, I'm going to do a bonus five. So it's 15 this year. Um, but something I thought about when trying to come up with my top three for today's episode is, you know, watching dailies yesterday, uh, Steve's number one is also my number one. So I feel like we've already tread that, you know, that territory already. So I'm going to do my, my top two and then one from my top five that I think people need to uh, watch. So I will actually start with that one if that is okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I think that everyone needs to watch Suzume if they haven't watched it yet. It came out um, in festivals earlier in the year and then uh, released a few months ago. I believe it is available on streaming now, um, but it may still be on VOD. Um, but it is just a beautiful film that it's, it's an animated film and it is really fantastical in its execution. Um, you know, there's like demons and portals and doors and like all of this stuff but at its heart it is a film about uh the 2011 earthquake that caused the um nuclear reactor to go off in japan and it is about like the how do i explain it? it is about like the trauma that that entire generation of people um dealt with and the long lasting effects of that that are still felt today. And it is a really interesting, like introspective look at like processing trauma and growing from it and, and dealing with grief. And uh, I think at least from looking at a lot of like the letterbox reviews of it, it seems like American audiences aren't necessarily getting that. Like they're focused on the fact that like the hot guy gets turned into a chair in it, but they're not really processing like what it is about. And so I hope that as more people, you know, watch it and they see some of the top rated reviews on letterbox, they're like, oh, let me go look at this because it is recent history. It happened in 2011 and it's really fascinating to see the way that they are processing it through art. Uh, and it made me cry. It was a beautifully animated film and it is so rich with emotions. Uh, and it's just, I highly recommend it. And it is definitely up there in like my top five for 2023. Uh, but I just wanted to bring that, you know, to awareness. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about, about what we're on our top list. And we were talking about this plan for you to like bring in another film because your first, your number one was already talked about. Uh, and I I mentioned that the that Suzume is on my list. It is, mm -hmm. it's it's a ways down the list, but it is one that I definitely want to watch here soon. I think after hearing you talk about it and after hearing a little bit more about it, I might bump it up the list a little bit because you know it does sound, definitely sound like something that I feel like more people need to watch. Uh, I will say though, going from crying tears over something super tragic to crying tears over something absolutely terrifying, uh, because my number three is Evil Dead Rise. I I adore this movie. Here's the thing. I have I've been having some trouble over the last couple of years getting really excited about movies. I don't find myself getting as hyped as I used to. I'm not like sitting there counting down the days waiting for the movie to come out like I used to. Maybe it's old age. Maybe it's the job. I don't know what's causing it. But the one movie that has got me super excited and super pumped was Evil Dead Rise. Huge Evil Dead fan. So going into this movie, I my expectations were through the roof. And I got to say, they met them. This might honestly be one of the scariest movies I have ever seen. It is possession films done right, which is what I said about Evil Dead 2013. 
and it it still stands with this movie i feel the cast does a stellar job the special effects are brilliant everything about it is just amazing from beginning to end it is one of those films that you sit down and it gets it gets your blood pumping it gets it gets all of your nerves on end and it just does not let go from beginning to end and it was one of those things that i was sitting there in the theater by myself and i i honestly could not think of a worse situation to be in to be in a movie theater by yourself watching this movie worst or best depending on your viewpoint on it because i was i was just so horrifically terrified which is something that doesn't happen very often anymore like movies don't hit me like that anymore but this film managed to and it is one that i i will say because of this movie i am incredibly excited to see more evil dead according to bruce campbell we're going to be getting more of them uh at a more regular rate which i'm super stoked for i mean i would have been excited as a fan but now i'm like not nervous about them being bad <laughs> because i trust this creative team uh and i think that they are going to continue to do great stuff and i hope that they continue to do great stuff and i hope that they build upon the awesomeness that is this film i love that very nice not one that i have seen this year unfortunately um, not uh, as big into horror as you and perry are unfortunately um <laughs> yeah I, I actually had to struggle to not put more horror films on my on my top list. Like there was I will say that because we're about to jump into our our second films. For me, the second film, there was a battle for that spot. But before we get to mine, what is what is the second film that you want to talk about? So my second film is technically my number three for my real list. Um, and that is Saltburn. I loved it so so much and it kills me that the discourse on social media lately has been like hey let's make fun of saltburn because i'm like i love that movie so much i love emerald Fennell, and i think it did really like make it even more impactful to have like listened to her talk about it before we saw it because uh listening to her conversation um at the festival made me realize like how similar our minds work um i had already liked promising young woman and i have liked her and some of her previous stuff that she's acted in but hearing her kind of love for like the weird macabre creepy icky kinds of horror but also like the mystery and like the gothic novel of it all it just was like oh i'm gonna love this movie and then i did and even like all of the weird stuff, like the bathtub, the grave, the vampire thing, like there's so much stuff in this movie that people are like, that's not shocking. That's pedestrian. But they did not get to see this movie sitting in a room full of old rich biddies. Like <laughs> seeing those reactions is like the best part of the movie. But I think that it captured um, a style of storytelling that I'm really partial to, which is like the British um, estate mystery kind of stuff like Midsummer Murders and those TV series that are a staple of like British television. And that is how Saltburn is laid out from the kind of slow beginnings, Oxford and kind of like laying out like the interpersonal relationships to then the second act, which is where the weird stuff starts happening. You start to see things connecting and realizing where things are going to the third act, which can sometimes feel anticlimactic. Like I understand where a lot of like the complaints were have like have been where they say that act three feels like anticlimactic, but it's that style of storytelling. Like by that point, you figured it out because it's sort of a mystery and you are supposed to be working it out as an audience. And then you get to it and you're like, oh and that's where it was for me and i just thought barry keoghan's performance was phenomenal uh that character oliver is so 
odd. <laughs> like he's so tightly repressed feeling, but there's like so many like bursts of like the crazy. And it just is such a transfixing like movie to watch and like see things unravel. And the entire cast is so phenomenal. I just loved it. I thought Emerald did a really like great job with it. Uh, and it was exactly what I expected. So I loved it. And I would like undoubtedly watch it many more times if I wasn't trying to like rush to get a lot of other movies in before the year ends, <laughs> which I think we can both kind of yeah. understand. It's that rush. Um, but I loved it. And uh, it is great to have seen a few people who also loved it in the same way I did. And I'm also living for the TikTok trend this holiday season, which is people watching it with their families without knowing what's going to happen in it. Chef's Kiss, the looks of horror. It is fantastic. <laughs> so I will say we've talked, we've talked about Saltburn, I think, yeah. on dailies before. So my opinion on it is known. I'm not as big of a fan of it as you are. Yeah. That being said, it is very beautifully shot, beautifully Gorgeous. edited. I think that it is, it is an exceptionally well-crafted film. Mm -hmm. It kills oh. me, though, to see it described as a, a period piece, a historical piece. There's a double entrante there. Uh, <laughs> but because it's like 2006, it like, the, it, it just, I'm like, I remember those fashions. And the fashion is so on brand, like the tiny things down to like the live strong bracelets. Like, it's so well done. It feels like 2006 in England at Oxford. It's like so nail on the head. It's insane. I actually didn't catch that it takes place in 2006 and I just thought it was normal <laughs> yeah I mean they have like the chunky belts and the ballet flats and like yeah now that I'm looking back at some of the costume designing I'm like yeah that 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 100% was like was early 2000s but my brain just registered that as like normal everyday <laughs> it, clothing it makes even like, more sense with some of the aspects of it and it's just, it's so smart it's like the way that that was constructed with it being a technically like a historical piece, but still being the recent and her description of why she chose it one, because she went to Oxford then she knows that that time period very well, but also because it's not like 20 years ago. Well, it's almost 20 years ago, but it's not quite 20 years ago or 30 years ago where there's a, a hint of nostalgia to it. It's just recent enough that we get the ick from it because we, we were very much, aware of how we were dressing and now we look back at that time period kind of being like oh that was that was a whole weird time period and it's meant to give you a sort of like unsettled ick which i think helps further the ick of the entire thing it's just it was very smartly like the concept was just very smart maybe maybe it's because i'm a dude and i have like different viewpoints on like fashion and stuff around that time oh, yeah. but i do not get the ick looking at like how i dressed back then like again maybe it's also a personal problem maybe my style just hasn't changed since <laughs> oh my gosh maybe but i mean my it jeans are slightly like, like less baggy it's that just even down to the bracelet stuff i don't know if you were ever like around the the live strong bracelets and like the game I mean, of I was the around it, machines and it was a whole it was a whole vibe then not now <laughs> i also like i also have you know 2006 for me i have like a much different viewpoint on the early 2000s than most people because i grew up in tiny little podunk rural oregon so like all of our fashion trends were like a little bit behind yeah or like not as extreme as people who grew up in larger population centers uh so i don't know 
I, I again, I didn't even think that it was a period piece. But that's that's fine. That that happens sometimes. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's that's that is a solid second choice, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who are going to definitely be placing mm-hmm. Saltburn pretty high up on their list. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, for me, though, my second film is also one that I'm seeing a lot of people placing high. I mean, I'm even seeing people placing in the top spot some of the time. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily should go that high, but the fact that I'm putting it at number two tells you a lot. And that is Past Lives. I actually just watched this movie last night. It was part of my like scramble to try to get in every film that I felt necessary for me to watch before the end of the year. And if if I hadn't watched this film last night, this spot would have gone to talk to me. Uh, so again, there's the whole like horror element would have. Which is one of Perry's top three. Yeah, we can we can both agree on how great that film is. Uh, but I will say that uh, past lives. I am a sucker for two different types of films. I'm a sucker for horror films and I am a sucker for romance films. It, I realize that these things are diametrically opposed to each other. Well, they go hand in hand. Hand and unwell hand, yep. They can, I guess. But this movie hit me in the feels so hard. It has, it is so so wonderfully written, so wonderfully directed. The actors do a brilliant job of embodying these very emotional roles. And it manages, it managed to make me feel nostalgic for events that I didn't experience. (laughs) Because you're because throughout this film you're exploring these two people's lives and exploring what could have been had things gone slightly different for them at different at a different point in their life. And it it just was so heartfelt, so emotionally driven, and so I don't know, it just like it made me it made me feel feelings that I'm still like trying to parse out because again, just watched it last night. But it was so beautiful and so brilliant that I that I felt it had to be on here somewhere. And so that's why I threw Past Lives on there. I don't have a lot to say, sadly. I don't have a lot of my, my thoughts formulated. It being here is much more of a gut feeling. But I just felt like I had to put it there. I loved Past Lives. I'm probably going to rewatch it, not until I finish all of the other films but i will rewatch it here as soon as i possibly can because it was just so much fun i love when a movie hits you so hard that it instantly goes on to your like best of the year list i love when that happens uh which actually very much happened when i saw this film at the same film festival that i saw salt burn uh and it was very funny too because i saw it in a, a old school theater so it was like a perfect setting for it uh and that is the holdovers which is technically my number two but in this case it is my number one i loved this film 
so much talking about like the feeling of nostalgia for something that you haven't experienced yourself like resonates with me with this film the way you were talking about past lives because it felt like a film I had already seen a film that I had grown up loving a film that had like just been a staple and I still just can't get over how well Alexander Payne did with constructing a film that had like this inherent nostalgia to it and like this instant classic vibe because it felt like a film that hasn't been made in decades. It's, it's a film that just like kind of hits on all of the right emotional points without it feeling truly forced. Like it doesn't feel like a film that is trying to make you feel something. It's just, it's there to like be received, if that makes sense. Um, the whole cast is phenomenal. It's such a small cast. You know, Paul Giamatti is always a phenomenal actor, but this performance is just somehow even better than anything else I've ever seen him in. And then to have an actor who this is his very first on-screen role ever in Dominic Sesa, like, and he's so good as, you know, this kind of like young lead that you know is still kind of coming into his own, and he does it so well. Um, I just love this film so much. Um, it's the perfect holiday film. And I, I love holiday films. Like the films that take place around Christmas and New Year's just have like a certain warmth to them naturally that I tend to like gravitate towards those. I am a Hallmark girly, but I just love the holdovers. And I think part of it was the fact that I came into it not knowing or expecting anything. This was a film my mom had seen the trailer for and was like, oh, that looks interesting. And then when I saw it was at the film festival, I was like, oh, let's go. And I was just, I was like reduced to tears. I was like absolutely hooked from the first moment. It was just so good. And it makes me so happy to see a lot of other people feeling the same way. Like I obviously don't need my feelings to be like reinforced by other people, but it is nice to have like a shared experience and like see other people also feeling like this film evokes sort of nostalgia for films that we don't really see as much anymore. Uh, so this was really like a film that was back and forth on my list like is this going to be my actual number one or is this going to be my number two back and forth so it's quite fitting that in the end because I decided to omit Oppenheimer it ended up being my number one for this situation this is a movie that you have been you've been kind of ranting and raving about this movie yeah for for a little bit here like you you bring it up quite often it's and so it is it is one that I have not gotten the chance to see but it is definitely super high on my list of ones that I do need to go see. Gotcha. Just, you will love it. Just simply because any movie that can make my favorite co-host oh. it's just just melt is gonna make me want to jump in it's and so good. check it out myself. So no offense to Perry and Steve. You guys are all hey Perry good. also loves they're this. not here right now. This is true. <laughs> Oh, and obviously, uh, Divine Joy Randolph is amazing. Like, I feel bad that I didn't mention her there. She is, like, the anchor of, like, the emotional anchor for the film. She is so good. And she's also so good in, like, just anything you watch her in. Uh, that that core three is just so good in that film. It's so cool. She makes me cry the most in the movie, though. According to Mike Joyce, it just got added to Peacock today. So oh, well, there you go. Will, Perfect timing. I will have to definitely, that'll make checking it out a lot easier. Maybe that's something that I'll watch this afternoon. There you uh, go. Although I've got, I've got a lot to do and I feel like that's maybe a movie that I should pay attention yeah, you to, need to be instead focused. of like be working while I watch, which is what I've been doing with a lot of films. And, maybe and it would be a good movie to watch with your family since you're home still. It is a family movie. Until I am home until Monday and then I will be at my proper home. <laughs> uh, speaking of like films that, that hit you emotionally, my number one is one that uh, I didn't expect to hit me emotionally just based off of the fact that 
it comes from a franchise that's never really been super hard hitting, you know, like weighty. I mean, it's always had a message, but it's never been super like emotionally driven uh, because my number one is Godzilla minus one. I more like plus one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I adore this film. Absolutely. It is. When I say that I, it was a Godzilla film that caused me to walk away in tears it very much did. This film is what Godzilla should always be. It perfectly balanced the the monster stuff, you know, Godzilla going around rampaging, doing what Godzilla do with the human stuff, which is a very hard balance to try to strike. Very few films in this series have ever been able to get that balance quite right. Oftentimes you find yourself not caring about the human element or sitting there complaining that there's not enough Godzilla. This one hit a happy balance and the human elements to this film are so powerful and so almost draining that it it just hits you so hard because you've got people who are dealing with PTSD from the events of world war ii you have an entire nation that is reeling from the end of that war and trying to figure out how they're going to deal with everything and now all of a sudden there's a giant nuclear lizard <laughs> it's like just kicking them while they're down and it's just godzilla here also is probably at his most terrifying you haven't seen a godzilla that is this scary very often it like maybe shin godzilla back in 2016 it was he was a scary monster again and then you know the the original one from the 50s was the last time that he was actually like scary to this degree it is it's one of those films that the the vfx isn't amazing but it is just good enough that it doesn't break your you know suspension of disbelief your it doesn't take you out of the movie and it's just one of those films that I I could see myself watching over and over and over again. And I've been recommending it to every person with ears who is anywhere near me. Last night I went out to dinner with my best friend and his family, got a chance to, to catch up with them. Haven't seen them since last year. And in one of the first things I did immediately was recommending Godzilla minus one to every single person at that table. And it was great. Cause my best friend was right there with me being like, Oh yeah, no watch Godzilla minus one. It's the best. Uh, and it, it very much is. It is a film that left me contemplating a lot of things about history, about just life in general, which I was not expecting from a giant monster movie. I think that that right there is what this film is. It is a film that hits you with something unexpected in the best way possible. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a great film. Go see I it. have not seen it yet, but based off everything that everybody has said about it and how it explores trauma and PTSD and all of this, I would say that I think watching that and Susan May in the same day would be a really good double feature. There's a I lot. I feel like there's a lot that would probably line up. 
yeah because the processing processing of trauma while like this big fantastical wild thing is also happening is such a fascinating way to like compare two kind of conflicting emotions which also kind of weirdly goes hand in hand with like your love for horror and romance like things that don't technically go hand in hand working so well with processing these like heightened human emotions which is like the beauty of film being able to process things on screen and then making people feel is just why we love movies, I think really right? really when you when you break it down and you look at like my top films period the things that i enjoy the most like i want to feel things i want to feel deep emotions whether that emotion is a deep sense of dread and fear whether it's like this warm cozy loving feeling mm -hmm. or if it's deeply traumatic horrifically like broken sort of just yeah. sadness i love feeling the strongest of feels and that is what that is what makes movies so great. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Like this. <laughs> I guess is what I am ultimately ultimately saying. Uh, before we go, let's take a let's take a moment to jump into the chat because a few of you guys have left your top three films of the year, and I want to take some time to uh, highlight this. Uh, Mike Joyce's top three is The Holdovers at number three, When Evil Lurks at number two, and Across the Spider Verse at number one. I actually oh, yeah. struggled. I actually struggled uh, with Across the Spider Verse because I felt the I felt the pull to put it in my top three, but I couldn't justify unseating any of the three that were there to put it in. Uh, maybe Beyond the Spider Verse will, will make its way in. Mike K says uh, Godzilla minus one, Oppenheimer, and the Boy and the Heron. I still need to see the Boy and the Heron. Boy and the Heron is really good. I've seen it. It probably wasn't one of my, it didn't make it on my top 15, but it is, it is excellent. I will say in all of those films, like Howl's Moving Castle is my all time favorite. So I think I judge everything off of that, which is a problem. <laughs> I, I hate myself. So my favorite is Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to see if there were anybody who also dropped threes. Those are, those are the ones those I will ones. say that, uh, uh, T and J Omaha is saying, I feel Infinity Pool is getting lost in the shuffle. Most of Brandon Cronenberg's work. Uh, definitely a better horror movie than Evil Dead Rise and Scream 6. <laughs> I I don't dis I don't disagree with you. I do think that uh, Brandon Cronenberg is definitely underrated. Uh, Possessor was one of my favorite films of 2020, even though it is a bit of a... It, it is a bit screwy <laughs> with yeah. your, like in your mind i can't swear so i can't say what it is that i want to say about that film and infinity pool is very much upon that that same sort of thing yeah. uh justy 13 points out poor things i i didn't get a chance to see poor things so i can't speak to poor things at all i have nothing good to say about poor things a pass <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I will uh, say, like, I'm going to post my letterbox link onto my Twitter when I'm done here so y'all can go see all the movies that I ranked on my top 15. And hey, don't judge me because, yeah, I have Dungeons and Dragons on there. I also have Rebel Moon on there because let's talk about films that ended up making me feel something that I wanted to feel. I enjoyed them. So ultimately, our top threes, tens, fifteens are all subjective. Can I just say, so like I've been, you know, on Twitter, I saw you talking about Rebel Moon. Yeah. I would, I would throw this out there. I was surprised that you liked Rebel Moon as much as you seem to. Yeah, it surprised me too. But I, I will say like, I have a long history with liking Zack Snyder's movies. 
And I think that if you've already kind of been primed to enjoy his work, like one of my comfort films when I was like 11 or 12 was Dawn of the Dead. I loved his Dawn of the Dead so much, which is coming to Netflix next week, in fact. Uh, and I'm very excited to rewatch that. But like, I have a soft spot for Snyder's work. I, I like some of the themes. Is he a perfect filmmaker? No. He has his gimmicks no more than, you know, Christopher Nolan has or any of the the people who make lots of films. He has his gimmicks and they work for me. Rebel Moon, yeah. I feel like I am in an MLM of some sort. I've been trying to get multiple people to watch it. I've convinced like six people to read the novelization, which I read this week as well. Uh, I've, I've rewatched it like three times this week. I've got other people to watch it. Like I think once it finds the audience that like resonates with like the weird stuff that's in it, um, it'll find an audience. And part two is out in April. <laughs> But getting getting back to you, you mentioned that D and D is in your top ten, as if that's some weird thing. Both me and Mike Joyce would put D and D in our top ten. Excellent. Uh, so I think it was my I, number I will, eight. Yeah. I will say I, I feel bad. I feel like I'm a terrible professional movie talker, uh, because I don't have a letterbox account. Okay. Well, you need one. Maybe I maybe I should start one. Make my my top list. Yeah, and then uh, I'll post mine in the comments too, and you can post there you go. down there, yeah, so the people can people can check those out. <laughs> uh, but that's actually something that I've been thinking about for a while. I'm like, man, why do I not have a letterbox? Everyone needs it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but anyways, guys and gals and non-binary pals, this is the end of our uh, end of our episode today, and the end of Collider Dailies in 2023. Uh, we're going to be starting off next week right with Stephen Perry hitting you with their most anticipated films of the year and then the next day uh, will be Maggie and I talking about our most anticipated films of next year or I guess it'll be the current year when we do it um, so you know be sure to be sure to check that out so uh, but until then I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your weekend I hope that you make some good choices uh, and are safe on New Year's Eve I will, I will, I, I, I will be celebrating with my brother and his like group of friends down at their place. I'll be hanging out with my nieces a little bit and then probably with playing board games. Maggie, do you have any plans for New Year's? No. <laughs> no? You're just nope. going like, to be hanging out, being yep. Maggie? Yep. <laughs> probably jumping on Twitter, talking about some Always. ship that nobody's ever heard of <laughs> probably. probably that's pretty that's that's on brand <laughs> anyways uh hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your weekend and we will catch you next week or next year <laughs> even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.